keep hearing something that comes from the depths of the heart that is communicating with God. I heard him say or ask the question, can you hear? Can you can you hear me? Can you hear? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And as I was talking about this, this great gulf between what you see, what you know, what you feel, the hell that you've been through, the hell that has this image and, and has a voice. There's a difference between that and what the Spirit of God is saying. This book is back there on the table. There's not very many of them. I highly recommend you read it, but I'm going to just give you a couple of things out of this book that is related to this. You cannot know what's in this book until you open it. You cannot know what is in the heart of God until you open your heart to his heart. When these words become alive in you, then they are speaking to you something different that brought you out of that issue into a truth. So I'm just going to read something here real quick, and then we're going to, we're going to talk to the Lord. And it says uh, on page 58 here, it says, we conform to the image. I'm going to read it slow. You conform to the image that you most intensely behold. You conform to the image that you most intensely behold. And then he says, it's time to change our gaze. It's time to change our heroes. It's time to transfer the Lord of glory from the pedestal of religious icon and put him back into the actual throne of our mind, our lifestyle, our church. Let's make Jesus our hero again. When I, when I, when you see something, there's another picture. other than what you're really seeking. On the way up here, I had this, this vision and it was foggy and the driving was bad and I was exhausted and you know, the time change and all these other things. And I began to see this fog open up and I saw something dark that was trying to pull me. And I knew the devil wanted to give me a car accident this morning. And I'm like, that's not your door. I'm not your door. Are you God's door or circumstances door? Who's your hero? Who's the Lord? What door are we walking through? What door do we open ourselves up to and allow something to enter in and begin to speak something that 
we can't hear the Lord in. This is everyday life, y'all. I have never come to a church in my life where I've had someone standing outside there and even before I get in the door, they say, can I pray? Yes, my body's kind of having some problems. Would you pray for me? And they did. Now here's what I heard. I could have heard, oh my gosh, this is, you know, this is just permanent damage, this pain, uh, my vision, this and that. It hurts. I saw this. I saw that. And I could go into an immediate past, present, and hopeless future of my health. But what could I hear? I heard God putting it in the heart of two men that said there's a voice. And this voice comes from the heart of one person to another person, spirit to spirit. The voice speaks a greater message, a greater truth that comes from love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and meekness and goodness and self-control. That voice, it's a voice. Have we heard that voice? So you have to open the door to get into side to see what's in there with different eyes, different ears, a, a truth that is right there with us, leading us, in, as, he, as Shane and Shane talks about in Psalm 46, through the fiercest battle. He is with you through the fiercest battle. But we don't know that because we have engaged into a different army, an army of depression, an army of sadness, an army of suffering, armies of addiction, armies of pornography, perversions, hatred, ang anger, rage, rebellion. Just close the door and come home. Just close the door and come home and don't go, you, that's not where you live. That's not where you live. You live and were birthed from the heart of Father. And He has something to say. We even see it in the very beginning of Genesis where all of this misery and chaos and voidness and darkness was over the earth and the Spirit of God was hovering over that, over you. And He said, let there be light. Let there be. And this voice of God begins to create a different environment other than the chaos and the suffering and the darkness and the misery. That's why he wants us to pray. And as we pray, if we are not coming to a place where we are Stepping into this great provision and power of who your Lord is that he has died for you to come into this place, this oneness that he talks about in John chapter 17. Then how is that going to come alive to you because you haven't opened the book? Can we see how, why we're separated like he's talking about? You've got to turn the page in your mind because there's a greater vision, 
other than the horrendous thing that has just assaulted your soul, that has just assaulted your mind and all the hopelessness and all this stuff. Listen, that stuff is there to prove that it is not God. Jesus must be your hero. The hard things are not what we focus on. If, if, if I tell you that you have Herkelmeyer's disease, And you're going, huh? But if, it be, if I begin to describe your symptoms, well, you're depressed, you have body aches, you have this, you have that or whatever. And I have, I, have, uh, I have some medicine for that. You'll recognize your symptoms, right? And now you've got a name on it. Like, oh yeah, that's Herkelmeyer's disease. I didn't know that's what I had. And then you've just accepted that label. And it's like, wait a minute, where did those emotions come from? They're not united with God's emotions. They're not united with how God feels about me. That thing I saw trying to suck me into darkness in a car accident this morning was not how God thinks about me. And so therefore, it has no place in me. Yes, Yes, we encounter depression. We encounter sadness. We encounter these things but we're not meant to experience anything but our Savior and our Lord and our hope and our provision and the power of His holy, holy, holiness, His holy name, the one that loved you, the one that was says, the one that says, there's there's this person named Justin and I want to name him Justin and he's just going to be the only part of my heart that I'm ever going to send to this world and I want him to speak. I want him to speak. I want Ariel to speak. I want Zion to speak. I want him to speak something in the power of God, in the movement of God, in the truth of God that has overcome everything. You've got to get in the book to see it. You've got to listen differently. You've got to find your compass. Pick it up. There's something that's happening in the hearts of those right now who can sing. Wait a minute. He is good and now it's that speaking. He is good and that is talking to me. It's becoming alive in me. It's becoming life, life, life. And then he begins to open up your understanding to the word. It happens in the heart first and then the mind finally figures it out. And then you can see something awful experience something awful and it's got to move on because it can't live there unless you let it in. Stop opening the door to the guys dressed in the black molly knowing they're there to destroy you and your family. We, can we hear Can you hear what the Spirit is saying? There's a most beautiful, 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 powerful understanding of the living Word. The Father, I'm asking right now because
because you said in earth as it is in heaven and you said that we are dealing with the power of who you are, your son that has given absolutely everything to redeem us unto you. Divide us from these, these split personalities and these, these, these things that are not even our identity. You made us in your image. You sent us down here. We want to look like that. We want to know you. We want to hear what you have to say. We've heard everything else that the devil has to say. And we've gone from counselor to counselor to counselor to counselor. But we need your life. Rightly divide by your word, oh God, because your word says that. Let us not be a people. Let it not be said that the devil is so powerful that he has stopped us from being able to enter in to the holy of holies by the blood of the Lamb. His Spirit's here right now. You know, it's really easy to disciple people who decide they're going to put their hearts towards God and love God. It's easy to bring them along. It's hard to get you to be saved. It's easy to say a bunch of words that don't have a spirit and life in them. But it is very difficult to get you saved until you're ready to embrace spirit and life and truth and the living word of God. So if you are separated from God, we want, to, we want to be able to uh, agree with you to get to the Lord. And those of you who are one in the Lord, you learn and you grow and you carry on and you take another step. Get up, soldiers, and take one more step. Just get up and take another step. Because if you have to think that you've got to rely on your power all the time, you're going to find you're going to run out of that. But when you take his step that he is always with you. You begin to learn how to draw on a different strength, his power. So Father, make us one. I rebuke everything that causes people to just agree with them. And I cause uh, about the, uh, the lies and the, the depression and stuff that they have to just live in that. I'm calling you a liar right now, devil. I command you to leave. You're not going to be in here. This is God's house. This is God's people. This is God's way. This is God's place. They have ears. And God, we're asking you to open our ears that we can hear what you have to say. Because we need the ability to rightly discern as we commune one with another, as we walk together with each other. Instead of going out that door and wonder why nothing's ever changed. So you said you give us life. I want life. I want life for your people. You want life for your people. God, we all are a book of life and I'm asking you to rewrite every chapter that needs to be rewritten. I'm asking you to close doors and homes that, that shouldn't have ever been opened in the first place. God, when we speak in our prayers, let them be words of life. Let them be united with you. And watch what you can do.
just an awful shame that we're in unity with something other than the Holy Spirit of God. I don't want that. I don't want to be in unity with the striving to try to find out, did I do this right or that wrong? I don't want to be in unity with something that's trying to point out everything about my life and everybody else's life, and this is what your problem is. I want to be able to hold up vision of who God is in spite of what your issues are, in spite of what my issues are. Can we hear? This hearing is a very important thing. It is the most important thing you're going to hear, you're going to listen to today. If you can hear it differently other than what you've always listened to. There's something that rises up inside us of just all this sadness. Yes, sin is sad. It hurts. But there is provision for sin. There's provision for the tribulation that you must go through. In this world, you have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I don't see where the, the words of the Bible have to be far away from me. I don't see where they have to be far away from you. I don't see where they have to be disconnected from he is good. The judgment that we stand in most often comes from our own mind, our own heart, as we receive and accept the evil that just floats around seeing who it can destroy. I want to rely on the wisdom of my God He's got this. He's got me because I'm not going to open the door to anything that is not of him. But when I find him, I'm opening that book, that book that's alive. When you see it, when you see him, you will know him because you're becoming like him. That's how you're able to see is because you're becoming like him. And if you're not becoming like him, speak something different. Speak something good and holy. Think on the things that are good and lovely and just and of good report. Think on these things. He tells us how to think. That means we have to stop thinking the other way. God wants his church empowered. And who he is in them. Christ in you. The hope of glory. I'm reminded also of when when they came out of the wilderness and they fought all these battles and everything, they sang 
the song of Moses. It was a new song that they had never heard before because they had never experienced victory before. So they couldn't sing that song. But as they obeyed, as they walked, as they traveled together, as they honored one another, as they honored God, he's the one that opened up the Red Sea and destroyed the enemy. He and I are continually, continually sitting down with someone. They've got all their issues that they want to talk about. And we can't wait for them to finally say, I'm ready to give that up so I can find Jesus. I want to do something different. But you know, there's those that just don't want to do something different. They just want to waller in all of that. Well, don't worry. Your misery will finally lead you to the Lord. It will become a taskmaster of rights and wrongs and laws and do's and don'ts. Until you hear that voice that'll rise up from within your heart and say, there's hope, there's a way, and I'm going for it. If it costs me everything, it's only going to be what he's trying to take away that's going to kill us anyway. It's just going to try to kill you anyway. He's just after that part. That's all he's trying to do is take away that that's not giving you life. I know I stood here a little bit and you had to put up with that. But if you could hear anything, hear the desperation of our hearts and the hearts of people who will stand out there and pray for you when you come in. That there's something that is great in that sound of that voice that is different from anything you've ever been able to hear before if you'll just walk through the door. Close the door to that which you know is not of God and, and, and quit trying to wrestle with it and say, Daddy, Abba. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Why not now? I don't have yesterday, don't have tomorrow, I just have now. Why not now, Lord, now? Blessed be your name. I want a new hero. Some of you need a new hero. You're looking for something else to fix you. Jesus is the only hero. He's the only hero in my life. And when I have found him, I never wanted to leave him again. Never. And I don't understand those who don't want to find him. I don't understand it. I don't understand those who stand on the side and look out at all the evil and say, well, God could have done something, but he didn't. The thing is that he's trying to get you to hear him because the words are creative and they bring forth life or death in the power of your tongue, yours. 
and somebody else's horrendous voices and words that have spoken and viewed and, and spilled vomit all over you. If you accept that, they're now, their words are now yours. Come on, y'all. God, forgive us for what we've done with our tongue and what we've done with our ears. Lord, for those who are willing right now, Lord, and are just, just are not even understanding how to open the door, just help them. Help them get there. And those that are not, I'm asking you to get them out. If they're trying to just be destructive and want to destroy everything and everybody, get them out. Get them out of my life. Get them out of these people's lives. Get them out. You have a plan. Just like you had a plan the day that Lazarus was risen from the dead because you spoke. What's dying in your life? Lord's got a plan. We need to hear what he has to say. Poor old Lazarus. Disease got him. Everybody agreed with that. They buried him in the tomb. They wrapped him up in all this stuff. But Jesus had a plan. And everybody wanted to see what the plan was. And he's like, I'm the plan. I'm the resurrection. If you will believe me. Because the voice of belief in other things becomes more powerful than God. Why? Can you just say, Jesus, be my hero. Be my hero. No matter if the depression's here, no matter if, if death, life, suffering, loss, tragedy, the economy. Jesus, be my hero. You are my hero. You will lead me through the fiercest battle. There's going to be battles, y'all. All right. There's a reason for the battle so that so that the enemy gets put down. You don't have to fight, you know, if you're fighting with God, you're gonna be the one to get put down. There's a reason for the battle. The battle's important. The enemy needs to be put in his place, and it's not in your heart. We're so shallow. We just go back daily life like, like God isn't there. We go back daily life just like it's something to do that God has nothing to do with. Don't you know he even put this, the food in this earth so that you can eat what you're supposed to eat? It's important what you eat. It's important what you do. It's important where you go. It's important what you set before your eyes. It's important. It has a voice. So, Lord, fix anything that I have said that has come out wrong. Help their spirit to become one in you. God, we've got to hear what you have to say. The times are going to demand it. Everything is important to you. 
Lord, we choose this day to live and not die and declare your works. You, Lord, are good. Your word is alive. There's a place in your heart for the hurt and the pain and the sorrow, and I don't want to put it anywhere else anymore. Do something good with the evil that has come against your people in this country and our children. Because you are good. Make what you're doing in their lives and their hearts right now today eternal, God. So they don't just walk out and have a different mindset. You must renew our minds with what we hear from your word. And we must not let go of it. Truth is important. Not facts of right and wrong. I'm talking about truth that changes everything. I just want to be like this little kid that I really have a hard time doing. It's going, wow, God, what are you going to do today? Wow, God, what are you going to do through her and her and her? Wow, God, what are you going to do through me? Wow, God, what, what are you going to do through the kids? Look at them, God. Look how you made them. Look at them. They're like real people. They're going through everything that we're going through. We don't realize they don't know what to do about it. We're messed up. They're, they're having to deal with it without any ability to be led through that kind of a wilderness. I'm telling you what, if you don't, God's, you're not going to make it out of that wilderness and God will raise up your children. He has provision. You be on the right team. There's reasons for the battle. Yeah, you're a soldier. Go through boot camp. Learn how to use your weapons that are not carnal. I got depression. Let's go to a carnal weapon. Let's go find a psychiatrist. I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not saying don't go get help. But what I'm saying is that God is greater than all of that where you're trying to go. He has delivered me from being two and three different people. I was split, schizophrenic, in a mess. I couldn't go out of my house and find my way home, y'all. But I am whole now. I've seen it all. And there's only one thing worth looking at and there's only one worth listening to. And that's the Lord God Almighty. And it's the same for your life. And I see there's some old rusty, old rusty things that used to be a book and it had pages in it and it just got all rusted up and closed and the pages disintegrated. God said, don't worry about that. It's the book of life I want you to live. Quit trying to fight with that old rusty thing of the past. That old, that old dilapidated thing that's going to burn in hell anyway. It's not even who you created to be. It's not how you are. It's not who you are. We weren't meant to have to struggle with the things that he's already provided for our freedom for. Come on. But it begins with what you speak with your tongue as you walk through the door 
This book's called Marks of the Cross. It's an amazing book. Turn your marks. Turn the marks of your suffering and let them become a picture of God's deliverance. And you remember that Jesus has got marks and those are only proof that he has overcome. So let it be so with your life. Let it be so with my life. Let it be so. Now, if you don't know what to do right now, other than just listen and recognize that God's trying to do something, just say, do it in me, Lord. I'm available to you because you see, he's the one that works it out. He's the one that pulls you through. He's the one that knows you better than you know you. You've listened to so much stupid stuff about who you are, but who you really are is amazing. And don't expect either one of us to look at you and label you with all the junk that you think that you have become. That makes me mad because Jesus, see, he's the king. You just got to figure out who you are. Don't let go of that person. Stop crucifying yourself. Stop allowing those voices to be the final solution. Jesus is alive in every second of your day for eternity. And you just got now. So once again, I'm going to say this and I'm going I'm to close, but now is the only time you got. Lord, I give this to you now. I believe what you did on the cross. I believe who you are. I believe that you've got your hand on every struggle that I go through. Everything that I even try to do right for you, you got all that too. Lord, I'm just, I need some peace. I ask you to take us and do what you will with it for each person in here, Lord. And you can say, that's me. Take it right now. You paid a high price for it. We've been thieves. We've been taking back our struggles and all this stuff this whole time. Let's give it to you and let you transform it however you will. And don't forget there's a battle and there's a reason for it. Now, Lord, I ask you to replace this with you. I see that's the proper spiritual warfare. Standing up there shouting at the devil. Your greatest spiritual warfare is your unity of love that you have with the Father. You know, take the kids back there and sometimes they do a whole lot better getting this stuff than y'all do. Lord, let these kids teach their parents something holy. I hope you asked God to take your now and changed it and exchanged it.
I have to do that several times a day. It's not a one-time thing. Because I live every day. Every day I'm alive, I still, I'm still alive. God loves you. Everlasting love. He doesn't have a demented mind that he can just forget why you were born, why he put you here. He didn't forget that. He's after that. That's why there's the battle. Can you hear? Can you hear him speak? Can you hear him say? I did all this for you. Can you know him that way? You can if you'll open the book. Open your heart. Stop shutting off the flow of the water of life. Turn it on and let it flow and wash all the sin away. The blood of Jesus is complete. So powerful. It began to be shed in that garden of Gethsemane and that's where the first drops fell. Can you hear it? If the blood of Abel cries out from the ground for judgment, the blood of Jesus cries out from the ground for your peace. Amen. Everybody please stand. Just want you to lift your hands just for a second to the Lord. Just begin to worship Him.
just tell him how good he is. Let him remind you that he chose you. Let him remind you that he saw you in the back of the crowd and he pointed at you and said, I want that one. his way in. He's a gentleman. He respects you. He loves you. We love you, Jesus. We invite you into the places that we protect.
For some of you guys, a setting like this doesn't make sense. But I could argue that most of your life doesn't make sense. Half the things that we think we have all together are the things that are the most out of whack. And what's dangerous is that we've developed a, a church community, not just here, but other places. It's not familiar with the presence of the Lord, and we're not familiar with how to access Him without someone else leading us. Because, you know, what we're more used to following is our sin nature and our critical nature and our condemnation. But it's amazing that the moment you just close your eyes and you focus on Jesus and you call on His name, if you're serious about it, he's just right there. Just try it. Just lift your hands up and just say his name. There's so much power in that name. There's so much victory in that name. So much authority in that name. It's a name that causes demons to flee, knees to bow, kingdoms to shake, hearts to surrender, strongholds to break. It's the beautiful name of Jesus. You guys know that song, Jesus, Jesus, Holy and Anointed One? You know that? Can you play that real quick? Just sing his name. Just sing his name. Just sing his name. Merciless accountant. He's not a religious spirit. Come on, it's that name that saved you. It's that name you called out to the first day you met him. It's the name that brought you into this whole thing. It's that name that conquered your heart. Yeah, he's that man. He's still that man. He's still the same one you met that first day. He still loves you. Some of you haven't even surrendered to him fully yet, but he's still 
has fully surrendered himself to you. Come on, sing it to him. Just lift your hands and sing it to him. Do you really love him? Because he really loves you. comes, depression has to go. When the spirit of acceptation comes, the spirit of rejection has to leave. When he whispers your name in your ear, you know that he's the one that defines you. He's the one that named you and called you. When you see him, you'll realize you've been bowing before so many others. Some of you need to learn how to worship again. Not sing songs. Worship. You need to learn to worship again. When you drag yourself to that throne, you throw it down and say, you know what? I don't care what I look like. If you'll have me, I'm staying. I don't care how much I've failed. All my failures are yours. I don't care if I've succeeded. All my successes are yours. If you'll have me, I'm staying. Sing his name. Sing it. There you go.
want to sing like you mean it. which you're able to love God is in direct relation to the amount of love you've received from him. Sometimes us not able to love him more, it's because we haven't received what he's fully given. We'll admit that we have problems, but we're not willing to bow to the solution. amazing if the church should just learn how to worship again. Just on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, at lunch. When that thing happens, when that thing hits, and when that calamity strikes, that our instant reaction is just our hands go up and we just sing the name of Jesus. Because everything has to bow to that name. But if you haven't first bowed to that name, don't try to use it on something else. Because it won't listen. You can have all your ducks in a row in spiritual warfare, but if you haven't personally bowed to the name of Jesus, and I'm not talking about salvation, then all those demons don't have to listen to you. Because you're exercising proper teaching in rebellion. You know why you're able to properly engage in spiritual warfare? Because you your first, yourself have first been conquered. If you haven't been conquered, don't expect to conquer anything else.
why he spends so much of our life trying to get our attention. Amen. I just have a few minutes with you guys before I let you go. I want to share something on my heart. That's okay. Yeah. You good with that? I'm not going to talk long because I don't have time. But I want you guys to understand something this morning. Because if you don't understand this, you're going to continue to find yourself using church as a pry bar against your circumstances. Which is okay in the beginning. That's not the plan of God. The plan of God is not for you to ride someone else's anointing and have that curtain pull you out of your problem. The plan of God is for you to thrive and exist as a creation of Jesus Christ, fully matured in the power and destiny of the kingdom of God in which he placed inside of you. Right? Not dependent on any man, yet fully willing to walk with them. Does that make sense to you? So I just want to underline something real quick before we, we, we dismiss. Go to Romans chapter 9. And I want to highlight something for you that I really hope that in maybe a future teaching I can expound. But I feel like it's a, it's a part of confusion in the body of Christ that I want to clarify. And if I don't clarify this, then we're going to begin to worship through the wrong nature, thus getting ourselves further deep deeper into what we're trying to actually get out of. Do you realize that sometimes your greatest problems are not the devil, it's you? And most of what the church blames and calls the devil is just pretty much just unchecked flesh. Do you understand that? We create our own problems. And they're right here. And how you view God is how you're going to worship God. Does that make sense to you? I want you to understand something that flesh came before spirit. Flesh is always first. It wants to be first. It's a horrific thing. It has an obsessive nature. It wants to control and dominate everything and it wants to usurp itself as the most important and the most esteemed and focused thing in all of creation. Even when God made us in the very beginning, what part of us did he make first? The flesh. You with me? And then he, then he breathed life into us. Then the spirit came. True or not? Flesh comes first, which is why you put it first all the time. But you shouldn't. So I want to teach you something, just if you stay with me just for a minute, hopefully it will help you understand the practical walking of your Christianity that you claim to possess. Because without this understanding, you're going to begin to falsely apply the things of God to a nature that cannot receive the things of God. In other words, when you try to be spiritual in your carnal, fleshly nature, this births confusion. Or, at best, 
religion. I'm going to say a lot of things that are going to go right over your head. I hope you go back. If anything touches you today, you go back and listen to it. One of the things I just said just went right over your head. But hopefully you'll grab it. Okay? Romans chapter 9. Not all the children of Abraham, because they are his offspring. Not all the children of Abraham. Not all are the children of Abraham, excuse me because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. We're in verse seven. What he's saying here is that just because you came from Abraham doesn't mean you're his son. Right? Remember that song we used to sing? It's a Christian version of the hokey pokey, right? Just because you claim to be a believer doesn't mean you're a son of Abraham. Jesus said, if you're a son of Abraham, you do the works of Abraham. What was the work of Abraham? He sacrificed the most precious thing he ever had on the altar of God. He didn't create a religion justifying why he didn't have to. The works of Abraham are the laying down of the most important things in our life, usually the things that God does give us that are justifiable while we don't have to give it to him because he gave it to us. No, in fact, because he gave it to you, all the more you need to surrender it back to him. We're willing to get rid of the flesh. But Isaac, the thing he gave us, he says this means, verse 8, that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted as the offspring of heaven. You with me? So Paul in Romans 9 is outlining two different natures. Two different people who claim to be followers of Messiah Jesus. Two different outcomes, two different natures. One are birthed of heaven, the other are birthed of the flesh. I don't have time to go into the teaching, I just said that. Okay? Go back and read the story of Abraham. Ishmael and Isaac, flesh and spirit, okay? Both blessed by God. You with me? One was only blessed by God because Abraham begged God to bless it. God's intention was not to bless Ishmael. Be careful where you're applying the blessing of God in your life. You just might get it. And then you create a ravenous nation that plagues the earth within yourself. That nation is the flesh. A wild man, the one that has to be first. Who was first, Ishmael or Isaac? <clears throat> Which came in you first, flesh or spirit? Which one are you more used to operating in? Flesh. You know how you know? Whenever a calamity or a crisis or something hits you square in the face, depression, whatever it might be, your immediate knee-jerk reaction is the nature you're more fam most familiar with. It's not determined by the songs you sing on Sunday morning, what church you go to, and what political party you're affiliated with. It has everything to do with your 
organic reflex of who you are when it's hard. When you're in the fire, that is when you're revealed. Okay? He says, verse 9, For this is what the promise has said. About this time next year I'll return in the time of life, and Sarah will have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather, Isaac. So listen, I'm going to really condense this. I got about 15, 20 minutes. Abraham allegorically represents the father. Isaac represents Jesus, right? He willingly got on that altar. You go read the story. Abraham, Isaac was not a six-year-old child, totally defenseless. In fact, at this point in life, Abraham was really old. And Isaac was probably coming into the prime of his life, somewhere around 20, 25, 30 years old. Don't tell me Isaac couldn't have taken him. Come on, son, get on the altar. Excuse me. Try and make me. The fact that this boy got on the altar, it calls him a boy because anybody under the age of 30 is a child in the Bible. It's still that way in society. We just don't say that because it's offensive. I used to hear pastors say all the time, anybody under the age of 30 is an idiot, and I realized he was right. Life doesn't even make sense for most people until they hit 35. And then they realize I've wasted half of it trying to make sense of it. Right? So Abraham represents the father. Isaac represents Jesus. Jesus willingly got on that altar. But who does Jacob represent? Because God says he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know who Jacob represents? us. We're born from Jesus Christ, true or not. Allegorically, we are, theologically, we're born from Jesus Christ. Isaac begot who? Who? Jacob and Esau. When we are born again in Christ, follow me now, when we're born again in Christ, we possess two natures. With me? Rebecca conceived and brought forth twins. Two natures. You with me? Two identities. Flesh and spirit. Which one came first? Esau. A man's man. He was hairy. Today that's kind of not seen as in vogue, but back then it was. That hair represented strength and power and authority. He's the first one out. Had to be first. Isaac knew. Rebecca knew. And then when Esau came out, Jacob knew. You're not supposed to be first. He grabs a hold of his heel. Right? Imagine that. Slay's giving birth, the baby comes out, and there's a hand attached to the foot. Because the Spirit's always trying to pull back the flesh. Be 
because the spirit knows what it's destined for. Something inside it beats and resonates of identity and destiny. It understands that it's supposed to be the first. But circumstantially, it's always beat down and oppressed by something else. And that's the plight of Christianity, isn't it? In fact, most church services are nothing more than some guy behind a box trying to get you out of the flesh and into the spirit because you're too stubborn and in love with yourself throughout Monday through Saturday to do it on your own. Oh, if, if you're new here, I'm not afraid to step on your toes. I promise you that. If you don't like that, you came to the wrong place. Verse 10, and not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our fourth father, Isaac, Jesus, though, listen, as though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in the order of God's purpose, the election might continue, not because of works, but because of the one who calls. Verse 12, she was told, the elder will serve the younger. Verse 13, it's written, Jacob I love, Esau I hate. Before Jacob messed up, before Esau even did anything right or wrong, God had established what he would accept from man and what he would reject from man. And yet we've made Christendom about Esau and dragging him before the throne of God, trying to beautify him with marks of religion. Getting him acceptable for, before God because we're partial to him. Anybody that thinks that you're not partial to the Esau in your life is deceiving yourself. When you pray for blessing, most of the time you're praying for blessing on Esau. What you create, what you can do. Esau was a man of strength. He was a man's man. He was daddy's boy. He was the one out hunting and gathering. He was self-sufficient, self-reliant. He didn't need mama. He was a man unto himself. He wanted something, he went and got it. He worked hard. You with me? He made his place before his father. He won his father's favor through works. True or not? Isn't that what we do? Well, I want to please God, so I'm going to start a ministry. So you being broken and out of order can lead people into righteousness and wholeness? Makes sense to me. Makes perfect sense. You with me? Two natures. Which one do you live out of? And which one do you believe the most? Let me tell you something. When God begins to deal with Esau inside of you, it is painful. And it exposes every stupid, dark thing inside of you that you don't want anybody else to see. You ever prayed, Lord, make me like you? You know what that means? Tear Esau out of my life. 
You know why? Because he's already made you to be like him. The only problem is there's too much Esau in the way. So in order to answer the prayer that he's already given you the reality of, in other words, he's already accepted Isaac in you, which is what? Jesus. He's already given you that nature of Jacob, which is the descendant of Jesus himself. The descendant of Isaac, the one that was chosen by God, that's already placed in your womb. In order for that one to mature, the other one has to be cast out. If if the church would get rid of its flesh, deliverance ministers would be out of business. Sorry, we don't need you anymore. Why? Because demons can't attach to light and spirit. They can only attach to flesh. You know why we need so much deliverance? It's because the church has so much flesh. And I'm not talking about thugging and drugging, though that's a part of it. I'm talking about mindsets that we bow and worship, that we create from Egypt and call it God. Do you realize why the children of Israel could not come into the wilderness or come into the promised land? It wasn't because it wasn't their destiny. It's because they didn't identify with where he called them to be. They identified with where he pulled them out of. And there's so many people in the church today that just identify with God. In fact, the whole crux of their salvation is what Jesus did for them yesterday. And that's our our little earmarks to our credentials in ministry that what God's done through me. No, he uses donkeys the same way. Don't boast. But so many times when God begins to expose us, we identify with what he's bringing out of us instead of what he's already put in us. And people who don't know how to navigate that purification process undergo much depression. Why? Because when God pulls the dross out of your life, if you have identified with that dross, you're not going to see the gold he's placed inside of you. And therefore, you're going to believe the dross instead of the gold. And then God honors your faith. And then you create yourself into a golden calf, an identity that God did not create. And you bow down and worship it. And you ask God to come bless it. And he wants nothing to do with it. Most of the things that you think you need to be delivered from are things you created yourself. You took that step toward darkness. God did not push you there. You denied him in your head because you had an idea of God that you were bowing and worshiping and it didn't serve you well and it took you astray. You think, I'm still saved. I love the Lord. But why are you in depression? Why are you more familiar with depression than you are hope? Why do you have more questions than answers? Why are you able to fix everybody else's life, but not your own? Why don't people want your gospel? You know why? Because heathens aren't stupid. They can see whether you actually believe what you're preaching. And most of them, they hear us and they're like, why would I listen to you? You don't even believe your own message. You're depressed. I see the same thing on you that I have. What's the difference? Geographical location on Sunday morning? 
You with me? Two natures. Which one do you identify with? Which one do you believe is the real you? See, it's really easy to try to decide that right now, but whatever happens whenever the, the, the stuff hits the fan, which one do you identify with then? When the devil's, and when you just, you just did something completely horrible, who are you? You know what self-pity is? It's consoling Esau. Does that make sense to you? Yes. See, the Bible says whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. Now, we, we stop there. We move on. But do you understand the simplicity of that statement? Whatever is flesh is flesh. And flesh can't be spirit. And spirit can't be flesh. And we've done, we've done a great job at mixing them. Flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. God accepts one, he rejects the other. And if we make our entire Christianity about him accepting what he's already going to reject, we feel rejected by God because we identify with the wrong nature. This is what happened with Cain and Abel. We feel disappointed with God and our personal relationship with him all the time because we do bring our sacrifice to him and then we know that he's not accepting it. We know, we know he's not accepting it. We know, but, and, but we're going to try again and try again. And God's like, I, you can bring it to me a thousand times a second for eternity and I'll always reject it because it's not based on works. He predetermined in, in Rebecca's womb which one would have his attention. Yeah, I, those of you who've studied your Bible, if you go read the story of Jacob, it, it blew me away when I really studied that as a young child. I, I was like, why did God accept this kid? He's a turd. Like he is a mama's boy. He's weak. He is just, he's a manipulator. He's a deceiver. He does everything wrong. He has to, he, he's always got the short end of the stick. And I was like, it sounds like me. See, but listen, listen, because even, even if you understand who Jacob is, God accepted Jacob before he did anything wrong, true or not. That's what the Bible just said. And yet Jacob doesn't live in the acceptation of what God bestowed upon him. How do we know that? Because we see him striving for a blessing that he already had. True or not? Why did he feel the need to manipulate his father for a blessing that he already had, but he didn't realize? You know why? Because he didn't believe it. It's the same way with you guys. You're trying to get to a certain point in Christianity to where when you finally get there, you'll get the blessing of God. That's dumb. You already have the blessing of God. Let me, let me prove this to you. So Jacob comes and, and cheats and manipulates and lies his way into the blessing, finally gets it, and still not satisfied. So how do you know that? Because he wrestled with a man in chapter 22, and the only thing he, he said when he was wrestling with that man, who was Jesus, was what? Bless me. He'd already been blessed. 
but it didn't do anything for him. You know why? Because blessing without surrender is not fulfilling. If you walk in unbelief, you walk in the flesh. I don't have time to get into it, but if you go study the book of Hebrews and understand why these people didn't enter the promised land, it's because of unbelief. And it wasn't because I gave a head nod theologically at the truth of the word of God, which is what we do. We call faith agreeing, agreeing with theology. That's what we call faith. That if the pastor preaches theological accuracy and I believe it, that I have faith in the word, brother, that is the farthest thing from the reality of faith. You know what faith is? In fact, faith, you can't have faith until you meet the king. Faith before you meet the king is simply religion. It's a spiritual what's up to God and that's it. Faith is a substance. It's not a belief. Do you know why the children of Israel didn't get to the, world, to the promised land? Because they never had it as a substance in their life, in their heart. They never believed that that's where they were going to end up. They didn't want to go there. They wanted to go back. It says in Hebrews 11 that they were mindful of a different country. But if they had been mindful of the country that they left, they would have returned. You know where we're, you know where we're mindful of? We're mindful of what we had, where we were, what we, what we, where we've been. We're mindful of Egypt. We're still trying to get God to, to bless our golden caps. And then every day we're walking with two natures and you know which one we agree with and believe? Esau. Do you know what Esau is, is, is primed for? The voice of hell. Esau hears the voice of hell very well. Esau will trade its birthright for a moment for a, for a moment of inspiration, a moment of pornography, a moment of drug addiction, a moment of this, a moment of that, Esau will trade it off in a minute. And then when it trades it off, you know what happens? Failure comes, and the feeling of failure comes, and a feeling of, of isolation and abandonment, and all that stuff comes. And then that person begins to identify that that's who they are, and God doesn't accept me and reject me, therefore I must go kill myself. Well, yeah, God doesn't accept Esau. The problem is, is they've never been awakened to the reality of the Isaac that's been placed inside of them by the cross. That it doesn't rest on their works. Which, which one am, am I? A am I a body or am I a spirit? You gotta ask yourself that question. Because if you come to the point of reality of understanding that, that you, people are spirits and not bodies, then you stop looking at their sin and you start looking at their potential in Jesus. But you can't do that for other people because you're still doing it for yourself. You're still looking at your failures as your identification factor. Because you're still dragging Esau before God, going, oh God, that, that Ishmael might live before you. Does that make sense to you? We try to apply the promise of God to the flesh when it's only reserved for the spirit of truth. You know, when I screw up, the first thing I say is, thank God that's not me. 
logical, rash person is going to go, are you, you're an idiot. That, that's, you're denying reality. That's not faith. No, faith is a substance. Faith is me knowing who I really am because I grab a hold of who I am in Christ and he can't, that can't change. Why? Not because of me, but because of him. It can't change. So then when I realize that the thing that just came out of me isn't me, then it's really easy to drag it to the cross and by faith offer it upon the altar of God. Listen, do you know, do you know when Jacob finally had peace with Esau? And I'm speaking allegorically. I'm speaking spiritually. I'm speaking as a mystery here. You understand that? When the flesh finally has peace with the spirit and the spirit has peace with the flesh. Do you know when that finally happened? is when Jacob finally wrestled with the king so deeply that God touched his life so greatly that it affected how he lived, how he walked. Jacob, the spiritual part of him, it got to the point of such, almost of his paternal order, like his father Isaac, of a place of sacrifice. He came toward Esau and he just, he didn't care. He's like, if, even if he kills me, doesn't matter. I have the blessing. And after he wrestled with, with Jesus and he walked out to meet Esau, God made even Esau to be at peace with Jacob. Why? Because the Bible says, the elder shall serve the younger. I don't have time to read it, but you can read the blessing of Isaac on Jacob. And Esau comes back and says, is there no blessing for me? And he says, dude's gonna rule over you. I can't take it back. See, that's God's idea for you, is that your spirit rules over your flesh. But you know what? The devil tells you that you're just pregnant with this war inside of you. And you believe, because you have such self-pity and self-focus, that you're the Esau, and there's nothing good inside of you. In your flesh, there's nothing good inside of you. But in what God has placed inside of you, there's something that cannot be tainted. Did Jacob need to grow? Did he need to mature? Did he need to go through some brokenness and hardship and trial before he got to that place? Absolutely, but that's what it is to be a son and to walk with God. You understand what I'm saying? Listen, if you come to church on Sunday morning and you are in the nature and the life style and the mindset of Esau, you can't worship God. I don't care how many songs we sing. God won't accept it. You can sing and not worship. You can pray and just complain. Just because you put in Jesus' name at, in, at the end of it or, or his name in the middle of it doesn't make it holy. What makes it holy is you in the correct posture, in the correct identity, in the correct understanding of who God made you to be and continually rejecting the opposite when no, no matter how many times you see it in your life. Listen, you think you're going to be able to be made in the image of Jesus if you're constantly looking at the dross that God's pulling out of your life? No, what has your attention? What she just read out of the book. We become what we focus on. What does the Bible say? We shall, when we see him, what? We will be like him because we see him as he is. You know why we finally get there to that point when we finally see him, we become like him because we see him as he is because we don't view him as he is right now. We're viewing him different, which is why we're not becoming like him. You get that? I promise you, I, 
you'll disagree with me, but that's okay. You're wrong. Everyone in this room, including myself, you have a, you have a wrong idea of Jesus. Every area of your life that's not like him yet, it's because you perceive him wrong. Because the moment you see him, you will be like him. Why? Because what you'll see in him, you'll see it inside of you too. And then you'll realize, wait a minute, this other thing, this beast of the field that I've been identifying with is not me. And it needs to be crucified. Two natures. Hmm? You understand Esau can't walk in faith? It's impossible. He can talk about it, but he can't walk in it. The spiritual things are reserved for the spiritual, not the flesh. Esau cannot walk in faith. The flesh cannot walk in faith. The best flesh can do in walking in faith is create a prosperity gospel. Why? Because the blessing only applies to the flesh. You with me? I mean, y'all are looking at me like I'm confusing you. How many of you have prayed, Lord, make me like you? Anybody ever prayed that? Make me like Jesus. If I ever see that as a pastor and I see somebody with the heart to back it up, I'm not talking about some religious prayer but somebody who's hungry, somebody who's really hungry and they got tears flowing there out of their eyes and they talk about Jesus. They're like, I just want to be like him. I'm like, oh God, please buckle their seatbelt. Give them grace. <laughs> Don't lose them, Jesus. You know why? Because in order for God to answer that prayer, he has to rip every form of Esau that you're preferential to out of your life. And when that ripping starts happening, it is horrible. You see the worst part of you. you. Hopelessness just seems to rest on you. Every time you turn around, you're doing the exact opposite of what you want to do. Everything inside of you begins to turn up and turn out. You begin to treat people horribly. You begin to treat yourself horribly. You begin to do it. And, you're, and, you, and then the demon's like, yep, that's you. You're a piece of trash. How do you know that? Because I went through it myself, and it's biblical. Just ask Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan's desire to sift you. But I'm going to use it for your good. Everything evil is going to come out of you, and the things that you said you would never do are going to be on your lips and in your hands. But don't be afraid. I've prayed for the real you. And when this other one's removed, strengthen your brothers because they're going to need it too when they go through that process. Exposure sucks. But it only is, is, it's only bad for the wrong nature. The true nature, the nature of Jacob, the nature of Jesus inside of us longs for it, yearns for it, is hungry for it, and begs for it and prays for it because it's convinced of its order and its destiny. It knows that it's first in the spirit realm. It knows it's supposed to rule over the flesh. But it's just waiting on you to make the choice. You get to choose, not God, not the devil, not your pastor, not your family, not your husband, your wife, your kids. You for you and you alone choose which nature lives. And whichever one you choose is the one you believe.
And the one you believe is the one you become. Because that's the power of faith. Faith creates substance, not ideas. And if I believe that I am made in the nature and the image of Jesus Christ and I hold fast that line and I'm defining myself by the promised land to which I'm going and not the Egypt from which I've came, then that faith is going to create the substance of Christ in me. But if I define myself by the Egypt I came from and how horrible I am and all the sin and the Esau that comes from me, then my faith creates the opposite thing to which my spirit longs for. You're in control of your own growth. And not by works of obedience and prayers and fastings and and doing all those things. No, you will do those things when you finally come into your identity because of who you are, not trying to get to be where you are. You're chosen because God chose you from Christ's womb. Before you did anything right and before you did anything wrong, he gave you the nature to succeed. And if you try to live Christianity in any other nature, prepare for a lifetime of depression and hopelessness and self-accusation and mutilation because you will never be good enough under the spirit of Esau. Every time you look to your father, you'll see rejection. The same way Esau did. You want to have this peace in your war? This, your, this is what the Bible says. There's, there's two natures raging inside of us, right? It's what Paul talks about. You want peace between that? Wrestle with the king. Don't let him go until he changes how you live. How the Hebrews walked is how the Hebrews lived. That's why First John says, let everyone that names the name of Christ walk as he walked. That word walk literally translates into live. Live like Jesus lived. Why? Because you can. In the nature of Esau? Nope. In the nature of Jacob, who he's called you to be? Yes. This is why the goodness of God leads us to repentance. You know why? Because when we finally accept who he called us to be, we accept that by faith and we agree with that. We repent and we change how we're thinking about who we are, who he is, and we walk away from Esau. And when we walk away from Esau, guess what? His grip begins to loosen off of our mind and off of our heart. And all his demons stay with him. You can't deliver Esau from his devils. Jacob doesn't possess any. Did Jesus need deliverance? Then why do you? The only time you need deliverance is when you're operating in the spirit of Esau. And you open all those doors to your flesh, yeah, they'll come in. They'll come in and dine and eat you alive. But if Jesus made me one and he made me in the image of his his father and not his image, and I walk in that, my true nature, who he made me to be, does not need to be delivered. It was already delivered. And by faith, I receive that walk in it and live it out. Amen? Does this make sense to you? This next week, 
whether you recognize it or not, you're going to get to choose Esau or Jacob. Let me ask you this. There's a lot of people in this room who are on prescription medications. I'm not judging you, but I'm asking you this question. Did God create you with that dependency? Did God create you lacking and needing something other than him? You know why you need those pills? Because you identify with Esau. You think you are flesh and bone. When your spirit and your life came from God and it's perfect, it's whole, it's real, it doesn't need anything but him and it craves him. But, 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 no, there's no buts. Esau or Jacob, your choice. You justify it however you want. God accepts one, he rejects the other. Your choice. That's the beauty of Jesus is he won't force you to love him. He won't force you to surrender to him or believe him. But the moment you do, his reality is your reality. Father, we thank you. Please stand. We thank you, Father. We lift our hands to you. We thank you that you did not create junk when you made us anew in Christ. That you created us to be one with your spirit. Forgive us for identifying with the wrong nature. Forgive us for calling ourselves something you have not called ourselves. We come out of agreement with the things that we've spoken over ourselves, and we come into agreement with the things that Christ has spoken over us. Though we don't know what those are and though we don't know how to navigate it, you do, and as we follow you and as we wrestle with you and as we hold on to you and say, oh God, bless me indeed, you will because you have in the blood that has poured through our veins and made us into your image made us into your nature and your character. We give you place in our heart. We give you place in our mind. And we ask for the full manifestation of the reality of this to come forward in its time, that the faith that we have would become substance and the substance of Christ, not just an idea, but that this thing would be manifested through us. And that as we choose you, we know that you already have chosen us. We bless you. We honor you. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we believe this to be true. Amen.